Hey lovely, as you know, I am a huge fan of online courses, not only for growing your own business, but for actually really solidifying to you why you have amazing knowledge and expertise and that by teaching it, you can profit from it and also make a massive impact in other people's lives. But as you well know, and I've talked about here on this Untapped podcast, there's just a lot to launching anything. You can make it as simple or as hard as you want, but if you want to do it really well and over time continue to launch really well, there's just a lot of moving parts and things that you need to consider. And that's what I wanted to share with you in the show with my awesome guest, because that's kind of her jam too. You're listening to the Untapped Podcast, a podcast where you can learn how to tap into your potential and get paid to be you so that you are ultimately doing the work that you love and living life on purpose. It sounds too good to be true. I can tell you it's not. I'm your host, Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi entrepreneur, author, speaker, podcaster, obviously, triathlete and white German shepherd lover. And I have gone from the corporate world to my own business, where for the last 11 years, I have essentially been learning and educating people how to build an online business they love by monetizing them and what they do best. So sit back, relax, and enjoy these golden nuggets with myself or my amazing and inspiring guests. And make sure that you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen into this. Just search for Untapped with Natalie Sisson. All right, let's dive in. So Tasha Booth is my guest today on the Untapped podcast, and she began her journey in the online business space five years ago as a virtual assistant. And she got pretty tired of living an ordinary life on someone else's terms. So as her business grew, so did her commitment to helping others figure out how to make the life they craved a reality. And now she's leading a team of 18 wonderful people to support established coaches and course creators as the founder and CEO of the Launch Guild Agency, which is basically coaching virtual support professionals as they start and scale their own business. She also has a podcast. She manages virtual assistants, online business managers, and has all the folks on her team who can help you with your launch if you decide to outsource a lot of it or if you decide to just be the person teaching and let them help you put your genius out into the world. And so in this episode, we talked all about how do you launch your damn course her behind-the-scenes discussion and thoughts about managing all the roles involved in launching, including how she has actually gone on her own path to getting paid for her expertise, what a launch runway is and why it's really important to consider. We also talked about how to define the roles before assigning them to people and actually knowing who you even need to help you with this launch. And we also discussed one of my favorite topics, which is the biggest mistakes that those of us who are new to the online space might be making when we first launch a course, as well as how to stay in your zone of genius during the launch phase. Because trust me, I've done all the things before and it certainly doesn't make you feel like a genius. So without further ado, let's dive in. Tasha Booth, welcome to the Untapped podcast. Thank you for having me. It's so good to have you here. And first off, I just love to ask the question, how have you tapped into your potential and how do you get paid to be you? Yes. So I have tapped into my potential by starting and growing my agency, which is an online business management and course launch support agency, supporting established coaches and course creators. So I help them get back into their zone of genius so that they can be themselves. I love it. And I really love that you've also niched into that, knowing that coaches, 
definitely can profit in their business by not just doing the one-to-one or the group coaching, but by having a course that really supports them so that they can, you know, scale beyond the one-to-one, which I know I did when I started out coaching. I was like, there's got to be a better way, even though it's amazing (laughs) to work with people one-on-one. Courses have just changed the absolute course and trajectory of my business. So what made you choose that when you started the agency? And we'll go back to why you started, but what made you choose that? Was it that it just was what people were coming to you most for? And after a while you realized that was the number one request you were getting, or was it that you actually had a genuine love and interest in launching courses and you knew how difficult they can be? I think it was a kind of a combination of both. When I first, first started as a virtual assistant years back, I really loved the coaches and the course creators that I was working with for the most part and the most of all, all of my types of clients that I was working with. And I think it was because coaches and course creators always had something different. Like it wasn't the same thing every single day. And just my personality is one that lends itself to that. I like being able to pivot and do different things and not be bored. And the, the idea of launching and the idea of courses and everything and the tech behind it always made sense to my brain. So it was kind of just a natural thing for our agency to really hone in and tap in on that as well. Mm, Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So do um, share with the listeners, how did you get into this? You know, what inspired (laughs) you to get into this? What was not working for you? And what made you want to, yeah, jump in and build an agency with 18 I know, right? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) whoa, I don't even know how you, I don't know. I have a very lean, mean team, so I'd love to hear. But yeah, what got you into it? Yeah. So I started off as a solopreneur as a VA, and I was just doing it part times, evenings, and weekends. And I really kind of fell into the role of a VA. I was a blogger and just had a hobby blog and started seeing people that were looking for virtual assistants and figured I'd make a couple extra bucks by doing it, you know, evenings, weekends, part time, that sort of thing. And it just really grew really fast to the point of where I did end up leaving my full-time job to be a VA full-time. But what I quickly noticed and realized, especially because I was supporting so many coaches and course creators, was that my skill set wasn't everything that they needed. They needed a graphic designer or a Facebook ads manager, a social media strategist, and I really didn't want to have to be a jack of all trades. So that's when I decided, okay, what are the core needs of our clients and our ideal clients and how can I grow a team that can support basically any of those core core needs. So now the Launch Guild team, the really great thing about us is that we've got tech VAs, admin VAs, we've got a social media manager, Facebook ad strategist, basically everybody that you would need Mm -hmm. for not only launches, but ongoing as well in your business, right? So that's kind of the fun thing about it, but that's how it all started with just seeing the needs of my clients and how I couldn't meet all of those needs myself and figuring out how can I meet those needs in the agency was the way to go for that. But it's still a big leap, right? Like I've often thought about going the agency route back when I started and I was like, you know what, I have these people on my team to help me with launches. Like I'd bring them on for that project. And then I was like, oh, what if I had them all the time? And then I could help other people do this. But (laughs) it's a difference between, you know, thinking about that and actually making it happen. So must have been quite a shift in your perspective from going from part-time VA to, hey, I'm going to build an entire agency. What do you think was the driving force behind it? Right. I think that it Well, first of all, I had a lot of help and support. I'm huge on coaching and being in, you know, I've always been in some kind of coaching program or mastermind or something, a group coaching program, that sort of thing. And so I definitely, yes, (laughs) I definitely had a lot of help and support in helping me figure out what this agency was going to look like and how it was going to step up as a leader in it. 
But I think that the big thing for me was just really wanting to meet that need and also not wanting to have to work all the time myself to meet that need. So part of the real big reason why I started my business was being able to say yes to things, right? Yes to being able to take a Wednesday off to go have lunch with my husband or go away for a long weekend. And I quickly found out that as a VA, I was like on call all the time and didn't have other people to support me or my clients when I decided to go on vacation or, you know, or be away for a day or so. So with the agency route, it also gave me the opportunity to say yes and to have other people that could step in when I was away or when somebody else on our team was away. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's just, it's such a great, I mean, that's what we're all after, right? The financial freedom from the business, the time freedom. But I'm sure with 18 people, it would have been about setting up systems and pretty quickly getting them to take ownership and responsibility, right? Because otherwise you've got 18 people depending on you for all the answers and all the things. So I'd love to just sort of talk through the journey just for people who are considering this themselves, not necessarily in your niche, but just going down that track or maybe they're wanting to scale and they know they just can't keep trading time for money. What were just some of the starting steps that you took, if you don't mind sharing? Because I always just find this Mm -hmm. really fascinating. I feel like when somebody's you know, starting out, they look at you and they'll be like, how the heck did she do that? And, <laughs> and it, you know, it just fascinates me. I love to sort of know all the little steps that got taken, but also some of the things that you, when you come to this, but some of the things that you wouldn't do again, like there was just a, ah, oh, just wouldn't make that mistake again, or that was not effective, or it, it took me on a circuitous route. Just would love to know for people who are, you know, in that place right now, thinking about what's possible in their business, even if they're not wanting to build an agency, but they're wanting to grow and expand beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. So I love this question. And I think that the biggest thing that I did right in all of it was looking at what I wanted my business to look at from the long term. And I don't mean like five years from now, because I hate when people ask me my five-year plan. I'm like, I'm in the online. (laughs) Who knows what five years from now is going to be. But just at like, what are the possibilities? And what is my ideal in terms of how my business is structured and how it works for me and my team and my clients and everybody. And for me, that really came down to our organizational chart and looking at who I needed and what empty seats I needed to fill in order to make this work in a way where I was not the bottleneck, right? I think that the biggest thing that people do wrong or incorrectly when they start an agency is they keep themselves as the center of it and as the person who's the only decision maker because we have this ego and this fear that nobody's going to come to the business if you're not intrinsically involved in every decision, right? But that's like, and I did that incorrectly for a while too and realized I'm going to, none of the freedom that I want is possible if every decision hinges on me or everything that needs to be done I need to actually give my verbal yes to. So the first big thing was I finally took the advice of my coaches who were telling me, Tasha, you're not that special. You can actually hire people that work with you in your business and can work with your clients and be client facing and support them the same way that you want to and do support them. So once I was able to get myself out of the bottleneck and see like, okay, now that I'm out of the bottleneck, what does this look like? What do I want this to look like? The first thing that I did was hire, she started off as my team manager. She's now my full-time director of operations, Jay Loray. Mm-hmm. And she, yes, and she <laughs> has been so instrumental in getting me out of that middleman kind of position because for a long time, especially as my team was growing, 
you know, if they needed a password out of LastPass or if they had one tiny question, they needed me to answer that. Mm. And when we got Jay Lorray and when she was hired, that the team now went to her for all of those things. So mm. I now had the time to create content and, you know, to build my podcast and do all the things that only I can do as the CEO and as the visionary. So I think that that was the huge part. And that's definitely something that I'm really proud of seeing sooner rather than later, because that's opened up so much possibility for me to be able to do the other important pieces of my business that only I can do. The big thing that I probably would never do again, that I think I definitely <laughs> found, was how I hired in the very beginning. I didn't really have a strategy or a system around hiring in the very beginning. And so it was basically like, hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody to start tomorrow, you know, yep. who, you know that sort of thing. And once we figured out, okay, first of all, we got proactive in the way we hire instead of reactive in the way we hire. So we try to look at what are the upcoming needs? Like what do we see as the needs in our business and hire before it's an actual emergency or before we're at capacity so that we're able to properly onboard that person, properly train them, you know, answer their questions, those sorts of things instead of what we used to do, which was we would be over capacity, not be able to grow anymore. And so hire when we absolutely needed the person. Yeah. So looking at being in that reactive versus, as you said, being exactly. I just did a podcast on this. It's dropping today. <laughs> did you? Um, because I mean, and we're all guilty of it, but it's so yes. important and to not just change tack at, at any moment, or as you said, react to something and go, Oh my gosh, we've got to do this now. But have mm -hmm. those planning moments every single day, knowing what's coming up so you can plan for it. Sounds yeah. so boring, it, but it just is so it, awesome. it does. <laughs> <laughs> it totally, it sounds boring. And I've said to my coaches so many times, like, I don't want to be like corporate America and have like all of the structure, but like, then you start realizing the structure is there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And when you have the structure, you can also create freedom within the structure, but the structure gives you those guardrails that are absolutely imperative for any business if you want it yeah. to grow. I just want to say, preach it, sister, because <laughs> discipline leads to freedom. And the same thing, like, you know, having structure and having systems, it all gives you more freedom. So you're not like right. throwing the spaghetti, sticking it in the wall and trying to catch it as it falls down. You're like, I've got a plan for this. Yep, I've got a plan. So before we move on to talking about launches, because I'm sure people want to know that, I, I do just want to say, where have you found your best people? I'm about to go through this myself. I, um, mm -hmm. I just... I have a dear friend, Jamie Masters, and every single time they hire for her coaching business, they're really specific about it. She sent me through their list of top 20 candidates the other day, and I was really impressed. They got them all to do the DISC profile, which was great, and they did phone interview, and they asked specific questions. You know, I've done all this before, but I am more definitely, from past experience, the person who trusts intuitively in their gut that the person is a fit for my style and business and sometimes that served me really really well and then there's been times where I've overlooked the skills and capability gap that I need and I hire sort of more for the person that I like and giving them a chance and trusting that, that I can build them up into the right person versus hiring for the person who's skilled right now and I just feel depending on where you're at in your business sometimes either of those things work but more importantly I think being more diligent about the interview process as you said planning in advance for who you might need so you're not doing that hire in a moment. Right. <laughs> so I just kind of love to know from you, have you predominantly found people through putting jobs up online or have often come through referrals in your community? I'm always intrigued how people do find their best people. Yeah, most of the people that we have hired have come through Facebook groups. 
So okay. I'm really intentional about creating a job post that is very, very clear and very specific to who we're looking for, the, you know, the platforms, the systems that they need to know, the skill set that they need to have beforehand. And then so we have kind of a three-part hiring process. And the first two parts are applications. So you get through round one application, you go to round two. And I ask a lot of open-ended questions, especially in the round two application, to see what is their style? What is their approach to problem solving? How do they organize information? Those sorts of things. So that by round three, it really is about having a conversation and seeing if we're, and making sure that we're a good fit for each other. And that they're, you know, that I'm a good fit and our, and the launch guild as a team is a good fit for them as well. Yeah, I love that. Another great mistake or maybe lesson that I've learned in the past is I often end up pe- hiring people who are like me, which um, <laughs> you're laughing because I'm sure you've done it. It's kind of like you, I have. They're fun. They remind you a little bit of you when you were younger. I don't know. And it's like, <laughs> then you end up with more of you sort of battling out and vying for the things that you both do well or that is your flow and energy. So I just wanted to put that out there is how do you make sure that you have a good mix of people within your team, depending on which profiles you're kind of into, you know, like in wealth dynamics, you've got, I'm a star. So that's the person who needs to be out front, creating the content, speaking, teaching, educating. And I really need the grounded steel energy in my business that will see all the details through. Otherwise, I'm always doing that and they'll be more methodical about things and they'll set up the systems as they go. And mm-hmm. it's just been really interesting over the years to like hire people more on that spectrum, even though to me, they might feel like sometimes they're like, wait a minute, Natalie, do we need to stop and think about and do this? And I'm like, no, we just need to go. But, <laughs> but it's really good to have that. So yeah, have you found you know, are there any tests or profiling tests or ways that you figure out how to get the right mix and balance of energies in your business? Yeah. So we are huge with Colby A. Um, Have you? Yes. I I just did the Colby. um, Did you? Yeah, recently, actually. Well, Strength Finder I've done, but then I just did the Colby A and I was like, really awesome. I hadn't come across Yeah. Do you remember what your numbers are? Do you remember what your numbers are? I can look them up for you (laughs) while we're talking. Yes. (laughs) So for those who are listening and don't know what the Colby A is, basically it's uh, four different sections and all the numbers are one through nine. And it's no good, bad, you know, indifferent. It's kind of, it's, you're great if you're a one, you're great if you're a three, you're great if you're a nine, whatever. But the two that we really look at are Quick Start and Fact Finder. Mm-hmm. Most virtual assistants, most support those are high-end Fact Finder, which means that they're going to have question upon question to kind of dig deep, which works really well for people like tech VAs or project managers who need all of the facts in order to be, be able to do their job. Most visionaries, most CEOs are high quick start, which means that in a quick start, like you take action very quickly without basically a parachute, without thinking about the worst case scenario kind of what if. Yeah. So I am a high quick start. I'm an eight out of a nine on quick start. I'm a middle fact finder. So I can work with people that are high fact finders or low fact finders. Hmm. But what's interesting about what we try to do is I don't try to look for people that are super low quick starts because they will really frustrate me because like, you know, I'll decide I want to create this new course or mini program or something right away. And then they've got 15 questions on top of the 30 questions, on top of the 60 <laughs> questions, right? which slows the whole process down. So I need somebody who's at least like a three or a four in terms of quick start so that they can slow me down enough to ask the right questions but we're not always like, it's not always feeling like a dirge. So we like to have a combination 
of personalities and, and of numbers in terms of Colby so that everybody's kind of working together and helping each other along and building each other up where they're not as strong and vice versa. Mm, okay. That's awesome. And I'm really glad you do that. And I hope the people who are listening are like, okay, Nat, yeah, I've done this too. Or in the past, I tried to <laughs> hire really quick and hire fast. And you know what? Sometimes it works, but most of the time, I think there's that beautiful saying, and I can't remember who said it, which is, sorry, hire slow and fire fast. So if yeah. something is just not working out for you and it actually becomes more of a drama or it just sucks your energy or it can be quite critical to your business actually is to make yeah. the call on those people early if they're not, if they're just not the right fit and it's not working out. But take the time to get the right person into your business. Exactly. Um, which is cool. All right, let's talk about, so you obviously help, you know, as you said, coaches who are wanting to launch their own courses, but just like have a great team surrounding them. And I guess I'd just love to know, in your opinion, what do you see as one of the, I don't want to harp on about it, but one of the biggest things that people miss when they're thinking about launching that they maybe haven't thought through that I'm sure you come to their aid of. But what do you see as the number one challenge that most people have when they arrive at your door and go, help? Yeah. So I think it's actually two challenges and they kind of go hand in hand. (laughs) So the first challenge I think is not looking at their total launch runway. And when I talk about launch runway, I'm talking about the time it takes to warm their audience up to the idea of their course and to get them ready and primed and prepped. I'm also talking about the time that it takes the team or whoever's going to be doing the tech and the back end to make sure that everything's working well. We like to have at least eight weeks, preferably up to 16 weeks with any client for a good launch runway to make sure that everything's going to go, you know, without a hitch doesn't overwhelm the team, doesn't overwhelm the client. Everybody feels good once we get to launch week. Mm -hmm. But we have people that come to us all the time and I'll ask them like, what's your ideal launch? And they're like, oh, like four weeks. (laughs) And and then, you know, I'm like, well, how big is like your email list? And they're like, oh, like a hundred (laughs) people. Have you emailed them lately? No. No. You know, so, (laughs) and then like, how much money do you want to make? A hundred thousand dollars, right? And how so, much are you prepared to spend on ads? Oh, a hundred. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we need to think about in terms of goals, in terms of current audience, all of those things need to go kind of into the bag when we're figuring out what the launch runway needs to be mm-hmm. so that we can have the most successful outcome for our launch. So that's definitely one of them. And I think number two is feeling like everything needs to be perfect in order for it to be ready. So I tell people all the time, the people that I coach, the the coaches that we work with, everyone, I've always like done is better than perfect, right? And if you never get it out there for people to critique and give you feedback on and everything, then you can never make it better, right? If we never have version one, we never have version 10. So yes, you want to present the best that it can be at the moment, but the best that it can be at this moment is not going to be the best that it can be in a year. But sometimes we just need to take that first really scary step and just say, you know what, I know that there's improvements that need to be made on mm-hmm. this, but I'm going to start where I'm at and know that this is, you know, good is better than perfect for now. Yeah. So those are yeah. definitely the biggest two. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm so glad you said those are the two because that's what I see all the time. So I, I have an accelerator called Launch Your Damn Course and, you know, people come into it and the whole point is to get them really clear on who their avatar is, who they're serving start engaging with their list that maybe they've left alone for ages, start building that list and then actually pre-sell their course before they've even created it, which Mm -hmm. is just the method that I use now after so many years of spending 
hundreds of hours creating content and structure for a course I think would be great and then literally having not many people buy it like it's just not worth the effort do you take that approach with some of your clients as well like are you erring on the side of you need to test and validate and get sales in the door before you go creating the entire thing not saying that they won't do the work up front right but is that something that you discuss with them and if you do is it something that they're like how the hell does one do that (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and we actually we suggest because most of our clients are established and they already have other courses a lot of times but if somebody's coming to us brand new and they especially if they don't like have an audience or a validated product or service or something that they've done in another way before Mm -hmm. we always suggest like don't spend thousands on hiring us before Mm -hmm. you have done a beta of it before you know what it's going to look like to your actual audience then when you've done the beta on it and you have a validated product then come and invest the time and money and attention on really making it you know its fullest iteration Yeah, I really, really love that. I think it's great. So for those people who are listening and they're like, okay, maybe they're down the track a little, they've launched before, they've got a course, they want to improve it. I know you have the whole team to do this, but do you want to talk through all the people that can be involved in a pretty big launch? Because I think for some people who are doing it on the DIY and on the fly, they'd probably be quite surprised. And I've definitely had the bigger team and the smaller team. I think you can, you know, depending on what you want, you can do it with both. But if they were going to go for a full out launch, maybe they had something that they've been working on that was seeing quite good results. They'd already made sales and they wanted to go all out on it. Do you just want to talk through all the different people that you might potentially need? Because I just, I'd love to yes. hear from you. I feel I know what it is, but maybe there's more that I'm missing. And also just to give people some context on for those people who do the million dollar launches, what's really involved. Right. And this is super fun to talk about. Yeah. So I'm excited. <laughs> so we normally on a larger team for a full out launch, we have a project manager who is creating the project plan, managing the project plan, and then corralling all of the team members and the people involved. We have an admin VA and usually a tech VA. So an admin VA is the person that's going to be like on the actual Zoom, on the, you know, the webinars with them, those sorts of things. Sometimes we have somebody in their inbox during the launch and a couple weeks afterwards, all of that. We have a graphic designer who, of course, is creating all of the graphics, all of the pages, sales pages, landing pages. We have a copywriter sometimes because people always get overwhelmed and bogged down in the copy. There are so many emails to write, right? So we have a copywriter normally. And then a Facebook ads manager is one of the other people who does all the Facebook ads and then a social media strategist who comes in and creates the strategy, the launch plan strategy for social media. And then we'll actually also create a lot of the posts and then suggest like when to do Facebook lives, when to do Instagram stories, all of that during the live. Oh, yeah. This sounds so dreamy. It <laughs> I know, so it's dreamy. <laughs> Just so people sort of know as well, like what's been, I don't know, one of your favorite launches from it, it just went, well from start to finish. Yeah. Do you got I'm sure you yeah. got a few examples that come to mind. I but. do have a few examples. So we actually had a client that we created her membership site for last year. So about a year ago. First of all, she was just lovely and she was one of those people that was like, I understand, you know, that sometimes things go wrong, you know, and like sometimes tech fails, you know. So it, things just kind of rolled off of her which was a really nice energy, but things went really, really well. I think at this point she has over a hundred people in her membership and it just continues to build and grow for her. So that was a really good one. I felt like we had just enough, like we had enough time to get everything done. 
we were ahead of schedule actually. So that week before the launch was able to be a little bit of breathing room and rest for the team instead of everybody going into launch week feeling tired. Mm -hmm. We also had recently another launch that was a little bit rocky in terms of tech. We had some issues with webinar jam specifically, and Mm -hmm. she had, and this is a kind of a tech nightmare, but she had almost 3000 people sign up for her webinar and only 500 could get into the actual webinar. It was awful, (laughs) but she still did almost $200,000 in sales on that launch. And and the thing that was amazing was number one, she just kept tracking, you know, she kept plugging away, even when things didn't go a hundred percent, she still showed up really, really well for her audience. And number two, she had been showing up for her audience really well for months ahead of time. So they were, they were basically banging down, you know, the door (laughs) and asking for this course. So I think that those are two very different kinds of launches in terms of like, it's not that it always goes perfectly when it feels good. It's just that people are in the right mindset to, you know, to take on the things that don't go well and just to figure it out as we go. Yeah, I love that. Is there anything that's working really well that you're seeing out there right now? You know, I feel like there's times and seasons where things go really well. And then there's the tried and true fundamentals of what makes a great launch, the runway, the buildup, the engagement. But is there anything that you're seeing in the launches that is resonating? Because I feel like a lot of things have changed. And right now with not just with the situation we're currently in, but yeah, with the way in which people use media, consume content, more savvy about what's being you know sold to them the ads the psychology behind it I just think people are savvier and smarter and you always need to be a step ahead of that or you need to really look at different ways that you can turn up and show up for your community is there anything that you feel is working really well yeah I think showing up more during the launch is working really well so really great engagement and high engagement in terms of Facebook lives Instagram stories I think having more conversations, even in like direct messaging and those sorts of things is working Mm -hmm. really well. I'll tell you on my last big launch for one of my courses, this was back in October, I think it was for every person that like that signed up for my webinar, I actually did a Bonjoro video specific to them to just like welcome them and say, I'm so excited that you're going to be there. I'd love for you to reply back and let me know one thing you really want to learn during this webinar. And they were so surprised. Like, yeah, yeah, it was well over 800 of them that I did, but like, I just put it in my calendar and made it a point to, you know, be intentional about that because I think that so many, we're automating so much now that people are tired of just the same old, same old, and they really want that personal connection. So the more of that that we can give to them, the better. And I just want to let people know who are listening, Bongiorno is a really cool app where you can do a little personal video message, right? So you can right. say, yeah. hey, Christina, super excited. You know, you've joined the course or I love that. I absolutely love it. One of my most successful activities when I launched the Freedom Plan a few years ago was calling every single member, which was, it took two solid days because they were across all time zone and, and there were, it was my biggest launch ever. There were hundreds of members calling every single person just to say hi, really excited, who took up the premium offer because if I'd done the rest, it would have just been forever. (laughs) And they were all like, is this Natalie? Like, (laughs) Like the real person? And I was like, yeah, it's me. They're like, oh my God, like, why are you calling? It was just really lovely. And even if it was just, okay, just want to say thanks. And they're like, okay, great. Some of them, it was just so gorgeous. And others were like, oh, this is great. You know, I learned more about them. Right. But why I think when it worked, it just made me feel so much more connected to the people who were taking it. But I also had people years later saying, you know what, at a time when I, I couldn't do your course and I'd been considering maybe 
not taking it or getting a refund because I hadn't put my effort into it. And they're like, but I couldn't because you turned up and you were so lovely and you rang me and I just felt like I could never turn that down. And I was like, oh, that was a lovely side effect, right? Is that they felt now more committed to it because of that personal attention. So yeah, I love that. And I I also love that you were talking about turning up, being real, being answering live, not having it all so perfectly, gorgeously streamlined with all the whiz-bang graphics. I feel like people these days just want to know, look, is this going to work? How much access do I get to you? How much am I going to, you know, turn up? What effort is needed? Let me know more about your style so I can see if it resonates, if I'm actually, if you're a great teacher, if I'm going to learn off you. So I love that right. you did that. Thank you. That's cool. Absolutely. I think there's tons more that we could talk about. But if you're thinking about launches for people right now and thinking about the return on investment of that, I'd just love to hear in your expert opinion what you feel people should be investing over and above, say, taking on team members, hiring somebody like you and your agency to do it. Because I, I get that question a lot. Like somebody will turn up to my course and they'll invest in that. And then they know that they're going to have to also invest in some platforms some technologies, ad spend, et cetera. Do you have a, a ballpark figure that you feel at a minimum would be something people would need to put aside to invest? And I know it's usually dependent Ooh, on, yeah. on investment. But, and I'm <laughs> sure there's a yeah. scale, but you've been doing this now for a long time. so. Is there something that you're sort of seeing as a minimum benchmark that people can have an idea in their head of what they need to put aside? Yeah. I mean, that can be a huge number or it can be a smaller number, right? I would say if it's like, if it's your beta, you can start off with as little as a thousand dollars. Like I would put some, you know, some good money into maybe some, a few Facebook ads for like a warm audience and stuff for a beta. But when you're going all the way up, we have clients that have put, like 8,500 just into the Facebook ad side of it. And then our retainer is anywhere from like 4,000 all the way through like high five figures. So it really depends and it's a huge scale, but I would look at really what are you expecting out of it, Mm -hmm. which is why you really should do a beta. And then based off of those numbers, you can kind of start looking at, okay, how much of this do I want to reinvest back into it? I wish I could give you a better answer, but it's just such a huge fall part. You know, it's such a huge a wide range that it's yeah, hard it's to a sliding scale as well isn't it like if you wanted to do right. 10k if you wanted to make 10k in your launch and you could probably get away with a thousand which is a great return right but if you're wanting to right. do a six-figure launch it's more likely that you might need to you know go into the five figures for your investment and exactly. it also depends on your audience how large they are how big your email list is how engaged they are how on point you are with your course like how much you've been listening to them and what they need like I love the example before of the lady who had done the work beforehand to really build right. up that trust and community. And just for people listening, was that through blog content, maybe through podcasts, through live videos? Had she just been turning up with a lot of value in those ways? Yeah. So for the most part, most of her audience and most of her content was on Instagram. She's a makeup artist that mm. teaches other makeup artists. So a lot of it had to be visual, right? Yeah. So she does a lot of Instagram, a lot of Instagram lives and stuff to really meet her community where they're hanging out. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And that... That to me is so key is people coming into this with, you know, I do believe you can launch from scratch with a very small list or even no list. If you're prepared to put in the time and money into engaging, it's probably going to be a bit of a longer term, but also that you've turned up for weeks, months, hopefully even years before adding value, sharing, putting out free resources, free content, just being generous because it's that reciprocal arrangement isn't it like if people give to you and you get value from them you're far more likely to invest in them at a later date and I've had people joining me on courses recently who've been in my community for six or seven years 
and not actually bought off me before, but now I put an offer in front of them that makes total sense. And they really wanted to work with me. And I'm like, that's a long time <laughs> to stick around in my community. Why aren't you sick of me? But two, like just shows you that's been seven years of building trust with that person. I'm not saying that's the case, but they've wanted to. They just right offer, right time, right place. And yeah. meeting them where they're at is really important. And I think so many people overlook that. So thank you for sharing because I think that's probably one of the most critical factors. And that takes time. Unfortunately, that just Absolutely. takes time and energy and effort. And you need to keep showing up. I always remember Amy Porterfield said most of her launch work is done when she's not in launch mode. Like it's that she's continually turning up with great podcast content and just being there and great guests and giving and giving and giving and building the email list and building the community so that when it comes to launch, they're like, yeah, give me. Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Any final thoughts that you'd love to share for folks listening? You know, maybe in particularly how launches can just change your life. Cause I think they can change your life. They can change your business. But is there any final thought that you just love for people to take away from this interview about why it might be the right time for them? Yeah. I think that, I think that if you are already, if you have something that you're doing already so passionately and you're so passionate about, like just creating a course around it makes so much sense. And don't feel like you have to necessarily take the huge bite when you first start. Even a mini course is a great opportunity to kind of get your feet wet in it and to start validating your idea, to start seeing what kinds of content your community really resonates with and going from there. So don't be afraid of launching. It's fun. <laughs> it is. It is. It's hard work, but it's good and it's so rewarding right. and you can do it again and you can scale and you can just keep building on it. So yeah. thank you so much, Tasha. Where is the best place for people to learn more about what you do? Maybe they're ready for you or just yeah, find out more about what you do and connect with you. And thank you for being here on the show. Yes. So thank you. And they can find me at thelaunchguild.com is our website and all of our social is on there. So you can find me there. Oh, thelaunchguild.com. And we will put that over in the show notes, which you can find at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Very easy. Look for Tasha Booth. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Thank you. So I really hope that you enjoyed our chat. Obviously, as Tash gave her details there, it'd be awesome if you wanted to head across, find out more about her. And you know what? If you've done launches before and you're a little bit tired of trying to do them all yourself, or maybe the team that you have right now just isn't the right one set up to do this, then definitely consider working with her at the Launch Guild. I haven't personally, but I'm always like really happy to support entrepreneurs who have just nailed their niche and understand how they can best serve us, the entrepreneur. And as a course creator, I find it really tempting to work with somebody like Tasha just because it's, you know, you've got these people who are trained up right there for you, ready to go, who get what an online launch is all about. In the meantime, if you're more the kind of person who's like, you know what, Nat, this is my first time launch and I want to do it myself, but I want some really great guidance. I want the step-by-step process to what you actually need to do to pre-launch and sell your course. Then consider joining my next Launch Your Damn Course Accelerator. Head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash accelerator for all the juicy details. It's a pretty amazing 60-day done with you live course where you will pre-sell and launch your online course with yours truly. Outside of that, all I want for you to do today is to tap into your potential and go make your amazing life and business happen. And if this is your first time listening to this episode, please subscribe for good vibes on all the podcast platforms. Just hit subscribe or on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, 
all the places. And it really helps if you subscribe, it helps the algorithm, it helps more people find it. So if you've been enjoying the show, please consider passing this episode on to your friend and say, hey girl, or hey mate, you need to listen to this episode and subscribe to the Untapped Podcast with Natalie Sisson because she's doing things and she's making it happen and she's helping me out. Namaste, have an amazing day and go tap into your potential.